really excited about this episode because we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, which is something that many people have talked about, certainly more in the last year, of being something that people struggle with, mainly women, but also we've heard people saying they don't believe it's a thing in itself. And I know, Advita, it's something you've done quite a lot of work on, so it'd be great to just get your thoughts and views on whether it is a real thing. Yes. Uh, just before we kind of go right into it, uh, it does irritate me when people say it's not a real thing because it does exist and I think for people to kind of be quite blasé about it, saying it's not a real thing, it's a confidence thing, it's an issue, you know, you need to just get over it, you're stopping yourself moving forward. I, I just think if you've not experienced it yourself or, you know, it, it's, quite a, it's quite an arrogant thing to say and I know that's quite a strong view but I do believe that because the number of people I've spoken to about imposter syndrome and the impact it's had on their lives is immense and I just think that we need to be really just a bit gracious about it sometimes and if you're not experiencing it that's absolutely fine but I just don't think that you should you know um, make other people feel bad about it. So those who are not familiar with imposter syndrome but I do think it's been spoken about quite a lot it's basically when you feel that you're a fraud right you don't belong and you're kind of winging it uh, through, through your career and it generally happens to people who are high performers so people who are doing like you know successful in their careers uh, but every day you have this sinking feeling that you are going to get found out that your boss is going to turn up one day and go get out here you're making it all up so i've really simplified it and there's lots of research out there but basically that's what it is so i don't know i know we i know we've all spoken about it at some point but i know trudy had without me kind of like been ranting at trudy for a while about imposter syndrome so <laughs> so i know trudy didn't really believe in it before right trude um yeah I, well it, i wouldn't even say not believe in it so i'm aware that it's real i think the, the the challenge i had is naming it and making it more than it than, than it sometimes is so not everybody who has confidence issues is having a, an imposter syndrome moment and i think the the over emphasis on it sometimes can make everybody believe that I'm stuck in this syndrome rather than addressing the fact that you confidence issues have different levels and different per different and come at different times or different purposes so that's where I was coming from when I said I don't believe it so I do believe in it it's just that I think it's over over talked yeah yeah. And there is a danger of people staying like there is there is a danger and I acknowledge it that there is a danger people will stay in that syndrome and will will potentially there may be some people who may potentially use it to not to move forward or not mm. to come out of their comfort zone yeah. you know because it is a word that's been you know it's a syndrome that people talk about all the time we were just saying before before we kind of press record on this podcast that we never speak about it when I worked in house we never spoke about mm. it I don't know about you know, especially in my organisation where I've worked, we've never ever said, oh, I'm feeling a bit like... We joked about it, oh, I'm going to get found out, but I get this, you know, but we never kind of admitted it, like we weren't vulnerable mm. enough, I don't think. And I think when we don't talk about when we fear being found out or fear we're not good enough, I think it can really damage our well-being yeah. and mental health. Mm. I don't think I had it much when I worked in-house. I don't feel... Don't be surprised to some people. I don't feel like I had that, I'm going to get found out and I'm an imposter. I had it way more when I became a consultant. And I don't know if that's just because you're giving advice and you're putting yourself out there in a very different way to when you work in-house. But I, it definitely became more prevalent when I was doing stuff that was just about me. Whereas I think maybe in-house, somehow you're kind of part of a team or you've got people to bounce stuff around and you're not doing stuff maybe so alone that I, I didn't have it so much in-house but definitely there's been a few occasions as a consultant where I've definitely had that moment of someone's going to find out that I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> and that I think does come up 
quite a lot. That monkey on the shoulder was always what I used to, to yeah. call it. And yeah. I'd sort of have a little chat with the monkey and <laughs> just be like, you can go away now. I kind of I know yeah. what I'm doing. But it, it's how hidden it is, isn't it? So, so to your point about, you know, it's never worked out, talked about in the workplace. A lot of that is embedded in the fact that you don't want anybody to know. You don't, want, you don't kind of want to expose yourself a little bit like when we were talking earlier about mental mental illness you don't want to let anybody know that you've got something that's wrong with you and that something's impacting on how you work so it's that vulnerability bit that you're afraid of exposing mm -hmm. so i think generally a lot of people have it and and the reason why you don't talk about it at work is because there is that fear that suddenly you'll be labeled as somebody who's got a problem or you'll find it difficult to proceed because it's always, it's, it's a bit more visible, it's a bit more kind of close to you when you talk about it. Yeah. Do, do you think it's linked to the whole vulnerability piece though? Like the fact that people aren't comfortable saying, I don't know, or I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this. Because I think that takes quite a lot of courage, yeah. right? So yes, imposter syndrome is a thing, but is it just rooted in the fact that we're not very good at saying, I need a bit of help or I'm not really sure what I'm doing? I think I think that that I definitely think plays a big part. It definitely yeah. does. And I think when you as you get more senior in the role that you're in, you want to be you know you're talking to senior leaders and you want to come across as someone who can cope, right? So you don't want to be like, oh my god, I'm really feeling like I'm winging this. And there is a there is a difference between winging it and you know what you're doing and winging it and you don't have a clue what you're doing. <laughs> you know, like you blind your way into that role, you blind your way onto that project, and you're just thinking, I am way out of my depth. And that's a difference. There is a difference there. Uh, and that is someone that you know that may have overstretched their capabilities a little bit. And we've all been with people like that before, right? We're <laughs> thinking this person doesn't really know what they're doing, <laughs> and that isn't imposter syndrome. They've they just like blagged their way into that yeah. in that situation. So there is a difference, and you have to be really self-aware of yourself. But I do believe that if we were if we were just a bit honest with ourselves and even to our leaders and said, do you know what, like. I'm not quite certain on how I'm managing this at the moment, so I need to either go away and think about it properly, or I need some help, or I need to talk to you a little bit more about what do you mean about this, because sometimes, we've all been there, right? We've all been in a room mm -hmm. where a senior leader's told us something, and we're like, what are they talking about? And he leaves that room and he has no idea, and you spend hours trying to decipher, and then you start doubting yourself, like, it's just me, you're like, is it me? You know, I need to be a perfectionist in this, and that's one of the that's one of the symptoms mm. or one of the kind of traits I would say around the imposter about being perfectionist. And I think as comms as all all of us are, we, that's one of our common. We want to be like we we have made that mistake at times yeah. being that perfectionist, and sometimes we just have to go. You know what? I don't I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to do this, and I need some help. And I think that is a big big kind of issue for some of the people out you know that are probably listening today, and also guys to ask for that help yeah but it's a little bit for me you know I keep thinking about that thing of suffering in silence and you know you're, you're, you're struggling with this thing and you don't know how to get out of it I think people who I've spoken to recently um, to support them have very much probably not said anything about it or even acknowledged it for themselves that this is what's happening and that's why I'm performing this way and 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 that in itself is really bad it's kind of you, you won't ever get help so you, you've given some tips as to how how you could probably work around it if you're working with a leader but in reality if you if you sit there and kind of keep it to yourself then it you know again it's it, it doesn't help you no and how is imposter syndrome versus just a confidence issue like you were saying Trudy about the fact that it there's different levels of it when does it become a syndrome right when is it just not lacking in confidence like what's that switch because that's the bit I struggle with is it is talked about a lot mm. and a bit like you Trudy I don't 
I don't disbelieve it, but I also think it's thrown around quite a lot, quite candidly, without actually any real thought behind it as a phrase, when sometimes it is just confidence. Yeah. So what I suppose my question, wherever it might land, is what's the difference? I think that's an advisor. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean there's, I'm sure there's lots of like more experts out there who would know the actual scientific difference. But for me, and it's my personal view, is that the confidence issue is when, the, when I lack confidence is generally when I genuinely don't know my stuff, right? And so I then have to go out and learn more about it. That's when I have that confidence issue. Imposter syndrome for me is that I know that I can do this piece of work, but something in me is making me think that I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough to do it. And that, that's the difference for me. So confidence for me is when I, when I lack it, is when I think, oh my God, I'm at my depth. Like we said before, like I don't know what I'm doing and I, I don't know how to do that Excel spreadsheet thing or I don't know how to write this speech for this senior leader about this specific topic because I don't know enough about the industry. That for me is a confidence thing, not imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome for me is when I know I can do it because I've done it before, but I feel like I, sh I don't belong. And I don't know whether that is because of who I am as an Asian woman, you know, because mm -hmm. it's taken me, you know, and, and we've spoken about this and, you know, and we'll talk about this more later on, but I don't know whether it's because I, we always kind of talk about having to work a little bit harder to be recognised for the work that we're doing and you know I've been lucky to get to the positions mm -hmm. that I'm in and I'm lucky to have my own job and oh my god you know one day I'm going to get found out and uh, people are going to think who the hell is she <laughs> what the hell is she doing <laughs> what is she putting out there like every little thing that you write and I know that you know I worked in, in comms for 15 years but there'll always be every day when I post something on insta or I tweet something or I write a blog a part of me will be like who on earth is going to listen to you? Like this podcast. Like, I'm like, we're like thinking this is the best idea ever. But like the fear of when we launch this, and I know people are going to be like, oh my God, these guys are so self-indulgent. That's what I think. <laughs> and that's my imposter in me. It's not confidence, it's imposter. Because I think who wants to listen to us chat about imposter yeah. syndrome? <laughs> and we have talked about that, haven't we? About yeah. our views of, of the podcast and how we all feel about it. Whereas I'm just like having a nice chat. So <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, we just love to talk. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. But I think it's interesting. The distinction you make there, I think, is is interesting. And I do, I kind of agree with it. I think about when I did the research that I did into a deskless workforce. And I remember presenting that and being terrified that someone was going to sit there and say, mm. yeah, we know. Like, this isn't brand new information. What a waste of my time coming to this event. And that was a real imposter of, you know, yeah. maybe this isn't going to be good enough. But I think there's definitely something in that difference between confidence yeah. and imposter yeah. for yeah. me. I think the difficult bit is, you know, when it comes and it stops you from mm. doing stuff. So both of you talked about things that you've done, but you've still done it. You know, you still had yeah. that imposter syndrome, but you've still gone ahead and done it. But I just think of those people who who haven't gone ahead who it actually shuts them down various times there are things that are big enough that that could shut me down but there's something that pushes me forward yeah. so what what is that thing though what i was as you were saying that i was thinking about the fact that we're all quite big fans of Brene Brown and we've all, you know, read her work and listened to her podcast and watched the Netflix, done all the things. <laughs> big Brene. They want to be her best friend. Yeah. Want to go to Texas, want to hang out with her, want to be best friends with her kids. Honestly, we're not like obsessed with it. If you're listening, Brene, like, we'd love you to come, you know, to the UK and spend a bit of time with us. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Just yeah, let's use the podcast for that. Yeah. But I think we've spent so much time reading so much about that vulnerability and courage. Mm -hmm. So, 
uh, personally for me, when I had that moment of being outside the room to present the research and when I've done big speaking stuff, like when we were in Vancouver together and I did IOBC and all of that is terrifying. It's just using the skills that I think Renee talks about around you know, listening to, I listen to certain music or I take a deep breath and, you know, I surround myself with people that are supportive, mm. but I also know the impact sometimes is that I can then do nothing else for the rest of the day because it's taken so much energy to, to do that. So I try to give myself the space, but I do think that the fact that we've read so much of her work and, mm. and listened to that and learned from it, I think probably has helped us all. Yeah. And for me, yeah. it's understanding the triggers, right? So I am very, because I have suffered with imposter syndrome all through my career. There hasn't been a day that I haven't. And I, I name my, I've spoken about it and I've blogged about it, but I name my imposter, Sandy. You know, and Sandy hangs about with me and people think I'm a bit crazy about this, but it works for me. <laughs> it works, naming her and, and making, and, and, and loving the fact that she's part of who I am. You know, so it's not, she may not be my best mate. She may not like a hater. She's like an unwanted family member who overstays a welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I treat it that way, but she's there and she's part of who I am. And, I, and in a way, I acknowledge that she's there so I'll be like you know all right Sandy I know you're here like you just calm up down and just let me get on with my stuff so I'll have little bits in because similar to Jenny said you know I love my music so for me it's the great showman this is me really cheesy but really I love it it's like one of the best songs to get me really like invigorated and powered up I also have a, a, a folder a happiness folder a sunshine folder whatever you want to call it but in there I literally screenshot really good feedback and copy and paste emails that people sent me about some good stuff I've done and that really helps me so when I'm about to do a podcast like this or about to get on stage and speak or just do anything that's a little bit out of my comfort zone I'll go back into this folder have a look at what people said about me and just like you know self-appreciate myself because I don't think we do that often enough right mm. so that's one of my like big things and also just understanding when I know that I'm going to be something that's a bit uncomfortable for me which one of the big things is public speaking you know I used to shy away from public speaking and when I have to speak at an event that will terrify me, you know, and I, I will really have to do those steps, the music, the happiness folder, speak to my friends, the community, and, and just get that reassurance. And I think you need to find what works for you as a, as a person, and everyone will be different, right? So some people want to do go for a run and, and do a bit of yoga or meditation. Some people want to, like, watch a funny show on television and to kind of calm themselves down. And other people might have a happiness folder. You know, find... My biggest piece of advice to you is find something that works for you and makes you feel better about yourself. I think you should be really careful that you, like Trudy said, you don't stay in your comfort zone because otherwise you can't progress. You can't move forward in your career. You can't go for those promotions. You won't ask for that salary uptake. You know, you won't put yourself out there and become a consultant if that's what you want to do. And you'll always have that excuse. And that's why I think you said before, Trude, that it's not that like you didn't believe imposter syndrome existed, but you believe that sometimes people do use it as a reason not to move forward. Mm. And we all need to be very careful about that. So find what works for you, reach out into your community, speak to other people about it, be honest with yourselves, and you know, and set yourself some actions about what you want to try and achieve and what your triggers are. And I think that then will help you address whatever is happening with your kind of imposter, is my advice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I've done the same types of things. I tend to do that thing where I speak to myself and remind myself of what I'm doing and, and you know the fact that I have the skills that I have the knowledge to do it if I'm worried about not having the information I go and find the information and that little bit of research actually helps me quite a lot so I don't then feel overwhelmed by it simply because I've gone and found the information that I need which then 
prepares me for whatever I've got to do and sometimes I will write out the entire speech rather than when it comes to public speaking rather than wing it because I'm, I'm really not sure that I'll be confident enough to just wing it it does get in the way sometimes because then you know now I've got a piece of paper that I've got to read but but generally I, I'll do things like that just to make myself feel comfortable and once you've calmed down that's when you can do your best work yeah and that works for you right yeah. that would never work for me I know Jenny's similar like right <laughs> like, literally not winging it not no, winging it yeah. but it's like I definitely don't yeah. definitely don't prepare as much mm, as, no. as other people yeah and I know people like when we did our chartership the, the chart industry of public relations chartership thing people actually had Libratch files of their, their research their, that was me that was true me. <laughs> <laughs> but literally I had like five or six pieces of card with my yeah. little bits on it because I over panic I know my trigger is if I over prepare I will panic myself thinking I've uncovered a lot of stuff yeah. off, so, which is why it works for you, so find what works for you and it's so important that you do Yeah, but that's also having the confidence of knowing yourself, yes. isn't it? And I think that's, a lot of the stuff we've chatted about feels like it's really knowing who you are and knowing how to help yourself and how yeah. to make a difference and how to have all those things in place and I think that's, for me, that comes from doing a lot of self-development, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of you know all of that stuff but it's it's also just making sure that it's okay to not be like everybody else and that's something yes. I often talk about with people is just because Trudy had a lever arch file <laughs> doesn't mean that I have to have a lever arch file and that's okay and I think you know comparison is the thief of joy and I think that we often think we have to be like everybody else or well if you're doing this I should do this and that's really hard because I think you could like you said you wind yourself up and it can do detrimental things because you've over prepared and that can be a trigger mm -hmm. so I think it's for me it's really understanding yourself and not being afraid of actually do you know what for me to prepare for stuff there's no point in me doing anything to prepare two weeks three weeks out even when I'm when I do any kind of video shoot or whatever it's like the day before <laughs> or like a few hours before <laughs> that I do the prepare the preparation because I wouldn't be able to do it any earlier than that I can't my brain, I think, is moving too quickly and it's too immediate and present for me to do stuff that far out. Yeah, and that's absolutely fine and you shouldn't feel guilty about it. And I think that's when imposter can play that part, right? When he's that, when you look at other people thinking, oh my God, like, Jenny can do this within 10 seconds. Like, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that? I'm not good enough. Obviously, I can't be doing it. I can't do consultancy then. Uh, that's that's it for me. I, I'm not going to do it because I can't work as quickly as what you can. Yeah. But that's not you know, and it's really important that you're 100 percent spot on. You need to take time for yourself to understand what makes you tick and what doesn't make you tick. And it's okay for you not to like the same things as the people who work the same way. And understanding who you are and give yourself permission to do that. And I think sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves mm. and so tough. Like when I set up my consultancy business, I was like. Oh my god, but why am I not earning this? Why am I not doing this? And you're like, BT, you've only done it for like three months. Calm down. And you're doing it through a COVID pandemic situation here as well. <laughs> Think all the world has shut down. Like, you know, give yourself a break and be easy on yourself. And I had to give myself permission and I had to tell Sandy to shut the F up, basically, and leave me alone. Because it got to that stage where I was really doubting my ability and I was looking in the job papers. Uh, the job sections are of the papers and looking online for jobs like I need to go back in house because I obviously can't cope doing my own work and it's just not going to work for me and that was I knew that wasn't a confidence thing that was an imposter thing because mm. I was looking around the people who were really successful consultants seeing how amazing well they were doing online and on um, you know social media is like great in aspects but also 
can play with your mind to another level, and especially mm. when you're feeling a little bit vulnerable and you're feeling a bit lonely or you're feeling a bit, you know, scared about doing something a bit different. When you go and go on social, it can either really help you or it can really ruin you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so discover. So you need to really watch that as well and just be conscious that people will be sharing things online that may not necessarily be the reflection of what they are going through, right? Can you only really see a snippet of what they are doing? You don't see the full 24 hours of what they're going through. So just need to bear that in mind and, and just be conscious of that. And I love social. Like I've like got my, I'm, I've met you two practically on social and become like, mm -hmm. you know, really, really good friends over it. But I think you need to just be really cautious about that. Yeah. And I, I think one of the big things for me, especially having my own company and then starting out by doing contracting and then transitioning to doing clients, that transition for me was a bit of an imposter moment. And then just trying to figure out how to do that. And there came a point where I had to make a, a, a big decision that I wasn't going to take any more contract work. Now that's quite a big risk and so just to get to that point, I remember at the time I was going through some coaching and, and it was that challenge to say make that decision and once you've made that decision stick by it. And the very moment I made the decision the very next day some contract work came through so I had to actually face my fear. <laughs> But but you do it because I suddenly said to my imposter syndrome, shut up, like like you said, sorry, this is the direction I'm going in. And I, I, I probably wouldn't look back, but um, I wouldn't have done it that way had I not shut it up. Yeah. I, I'd have gone back and taken a contract. So it's being really definite, isn't it, about what you want to do as well, which I think really, ha that obviously, and you didn't take the contract work. No, I didn't. Yeah. I think it's that being very definite that I... I'm very definite about a lot of stuff, but I think it can also, it's being very definite and then following through on the action. And I think that's exactly your point. And I just, yeah. sometimes it's easier just to have a really good idea and then Sandy's going to pop up <laughs> and ruin it for everybody. And then you don't follow through with the idea and then you're in that yeah. cycle. Yeah. But yes. that's where I think intention is so important here as well. Oh. Because if you have the intention, almost nothing stops you. So you will hear Sandy or whoever, I was calling my ninny, but you, you know, you will have imposter syndrome sat on your shoulder. But because that intention is so strong, because you're so clear about what you want to achieve or what you want to do or the idea that you know it's gonna work, that it bypasses all of that and you just think, no, I've got to do this. Yeah. You know, so it makes a difference. Big believer in intention. I think whatever you do, you do it with intention, otherwise you won't do it. No. So I always recommend to anyone, like write down, you know, it can be as ridiculous as you want it to be, it doesn't matter because it's only for you, but write it down or, or, you know, put it somewhere where you can reflect on it because once you do something with intention, you're going to do it, right? And I think that's just the really important yeah. thing to remember. But it beats imposter syndrome it if does. you really want it to. Yeah, yeah. intention beats imposter, definitely. A couple of tips then for anyone, I kind of mentioned it in, in, throughout this session, but if you are suffering with imposter syndrome, make sure that you are saving any feedback that people are giving to you, any tweets that someone has said, oh, you're doing amazing work or Instagram post or whatever, you know, everything counts. Screenshot it, take a photo of it, it's an email, whatever, and just put it in a folder on the on your phone or on your desktop where we can access it easily. So whenever you're facing that kind of 
you know, imposters up or your Sandy or whatever you decide to name your, if you decide to name your imposter, you can just kind of show it to them, right? And go like, this is, look, I'm, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. So that's like tip number one for me that really, really works. Tip number two is making sure that you know what your triggers are. So if you know that you want to get to public speaking, but you know it's going to trigger you, then make sure that you've got your kind of process in place. So you know, you know, you've got your water. I know somebody who actually, and I read this somewhere, I think, actually, I don't actually know the person, but I read that they have a, a paper clip in their pocket and they keep, and that's their kind of, because they mess around with their hands a lot and, and that really makes them nervous. And so they have a paper clip in their pocket or paper clip in their hand and they use that as a kind of control mechanism to make sure that they're keeping on track of what they're trying to do. So have, you know, whatever those little quirks are for you, then make sure that you do that. For me, when I'm public speaking, is in, in an audience, I'll find a couple of people that I relate to or look at me like and smiling and, and I'll, I'll acknowledge them. So I'll pretend I'm only talking to one person, even though there's like 300 in the audience. And I will, I won't just stare at the mic, that's a bit weird. <laughs> but I will go back to them for reassurance because nobody wants us, you know, some stalker mm -hmm. presenter looking at you in that way. Music is a big part of my life, so I like to have my kind of soundtrack of motivational songs that I know will make me feel better. So those are my kind of three top tips. Well, mine, one of them is around visualisation. And as I coach, kind of that's one of the things I use with people, kind of, to get them to think about themselves in a different light. Just take, it can be as little as five minutes worth of visualization and it can shift how you feel about yourself if you're going into a meeting or having to deal with something else. So it's literally, you take a seat, you do some breathing and you think of your best self and what your best self would do and how your best self will react to things. And when that happens, you start to see yourself in a different light. And I've, I've done it for myself. I've, I've worked with people who've done it and instantly they're like, I feel much better. I can go into that meeting and I can speak in a certain way simply because I've thought of myself in a different way. And in, in a similar vein, I've, I've done things where I've said to people, write about whatever it is that's bothering you as if to say you had no limitations. You didn't have a money limitation, you didn't have a confidence issue, uh, you didn't have a skill problem. You, were, you know exactly how to do something. So write a story about yourself or write a letter to yourself as if to say you are, your, again, your best self. So they kind of tie into each other. And those two kind of techniques I, I tend to use quite a lot. Uh, I use it for myself, but I also kind of ask people to do that as well. And, and, and one of the bigger ones, as I said, is I talk to myself. Now, talking to yourself sometimes is about reminding reminding yourself of some of the things that you were talking about Advita which is what have people said about you where are the compliments coming from you know some great work that you did and so on and so on and take that and just remind yourself that actually people did compliment you about something that you did or something similar that you've done and and that's important as well so that really works love that I love that I love the visualization thing I'm gonna totally steal that <laughs> um, I think mine are again a lot linked to some of the work that I've learned having listened to Brene so the the story that you're telling yourself and and sort of having that check-in with yourself that actually I'm telling myself this story when the reality is that that person might not feel that way so if I'm walking into a room the story I might tell myself is that everybody in there thinks this is going to be a load of rubbish Whereas the reality is probably, hopefully, quite different. So that really helps helps me. And 
the acknowledging it and recognizing it and moving on from it is really important. I haven't named mine. I'm having a bit of a moment about, oh, God damn, I need a name. <laughs> but I, I'm aware of it and I'll acknowledge it and then I'll ask it to, you know, to go away or I'll have that kind of moment. And I think going through that is really helpful. And then probably the only other the only other tip for me is to just not compare yourself to other people. We all do things differently. We all prepare differently. And, you know, we talked about this earlier but I think just having that recognition of yourself is really important don't don't compare yourself to other people because we all do stuff differently and it will just tie you up in knots so they're probably mine really brilliant love that and if anybody does care why I named mine Sandy by the way it's from Greece if anyone cares <laughs> no idea why I like that I was obsessed with Greece when I was like a little kid and Sandy is the character which is a bit wet wasn't she at the beginning I think. Yeah. I thought she became like this, like, you know, sexy diva. diva. Yeah. Um, so I'm going with the, like Sandy in the kind of, you know, the, the sweater and, you know, singing that cheesy song, not the diva Sandy, because that's me, obviously. So. Oh, I Just see. Just in case anyone cares. I like it. So you're kind of both sides I of know, Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's my childhood dream, looked out. Sandy. <laughs> So who's your Danny Zuko? That would be the question. I know, who is my Danny Zuko? (laughs) I think anyway, feel free to put the applications in. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Please click subscribe so you get our new episodes as soon as they're released. If you want to reach out, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Carmaged Rebels. We're always up for a chat. So please let us know what you think and ask us any questions you might want us to cover in future episodes. We're also all on LinkedIn and always available if you want to get in touch.